This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, originating from Florida State's Winery in Land Lakes, Florida, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. Vice President and General Manager of Florida State's Winery, from coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Call our guest line at any time during the live show at area code 646-727-3235 and let's talk about wine. Again, the phone number to call is 646-727-3235. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Yeah, it's warm. Some other places. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Um, I am still posting to get out of anyway, Saturday. So there you go. That's enough groups. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back, everyone. We missed last week, Thanksgiving. Hope everyone had a good and thankful Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. It was good for everybody, I think, except the uh, turkeys. Except for the turkeys or the turducans. That's right. And there was a show or there was something on that on TV, and it's like a 15-hour cooking process or some something like that just to, to oh my get gosh. this. And I, there's no way I'm going to – I mean, cooking a bird is, is – I mean, a turkey is long – I'm sitting there grabbing birds off the street, but taking a turkey and, and cooking it for – it, you know, the time it takes is one thing, but 15 to 20-something hours or something to process it and, and get it – no, there's no way. Uh, no way. So, no, no, it, good luck. Yeah, good luck I mean, that. you're, you're going to have to get it at midnight. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, a, that's, a, that's a major thing. Cook your dinner for the next day. No, I uh, uh, can't remember where I saw that, but it was it was an article. It was either an article – no, it was on TV. It was on TV, and there, it was some show or it might have been news or something. They were doing a – you know, oh, and if you're into, you know, turkey, chicken, and duck – Ta-da, there you go, and said, oh, this is how yeah. we do it. Yeah, and and there's another version of it. I think I mentioned it too, but there was another version of it. Um, Goose that was just who? Goose? I forgot what it was. Anyway, yeah, you um, said so, they do a goose. Yeah, um, there's yeah, there was the different variations. I think that was one, and then there was a no, oh, there was something else. I forgot what it is. Yeah. Oh well, here we are. That was that was last week. Right. Now we're on to was- <laughs> new stuff. If you had a turducken, so, good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like to have one once. I just like to have a slice of one. The turkey, mm-hmm. duck, and chicken. Just like to have a slice, just to just to see what that combo in the mouth is. You know. Right. I, but I don't get it. I don't gonna, know. I don't know. I did. Yeah. You know, just just to see. Twenty. I'm not going to spend twenty hours, but just to see. Well. Why not just go to the grocery store and buy chicken um, uh, lunch meat, turkey lunch meat, and well, I don't know if they have duck. I don't know if they have duck lunch meat or not. But I don't know if they do or not. Duck. I don't think they have duck lunch. Yeah, go to the deli yeah. duck. Hold on a second. I'll be right back. I'll bring you one, and then get a slice <laughs> of that. Yeah, put it all together. A slice of duck. There you go. Spend yeah. all that time. 
make a, make a quick yeah. sandwich out of it, and there you, you're done. That's it. Good <laughs> idea. Very I go good. The, I go that route. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I thank you for mentioning that. I would, too. Yeah. That's, that's a suggestion. <laughs> you can say it if you want to. <laughs> not not so. 20 hours cooking. But, yes, that, that would work for me. Yeah. That would work. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll have to keep that uh, in mind. Next time mm-hmm. I'm in the store, I'll have a sandwich. I'll tell you about my production sandwich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the delis now. I mean, the grocery stores you just go up to the deli and go, I'd like a sub. Uh, could you give me a slice of turkey, slice of chicken? And uh, is that duck? No, roast beef. Nah, do you have duck? Give me duck. <laughs> or goose. If you don't have duck, yeah. you have goose. Yeah, there you go. That's even that's even rare. I'll wait. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I'll take a number. Go ahead. I can't wait for this. You can go ahead of me. Go ahead. Everybody's <laughs> looking at you. And go during lunch when it's busy. Yeah, there you go. Or right after work, whenever you stop by to pick up stuff. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> pick up the meals. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> yep. Oh, well. Oh, um, Nobody well, emailed um, me that. I don't think anybody out there had turd duck and so so nobody me. Um the wand. Uh, remember the wand? What? The wand? The wand. Uh, the little thing you can put in your wine and it removes the histamines and the sulfites. Oh yeah, yeah. The wand. Well, I've been forgetting mm-hmm. to order it. I mentioned something to my engineer and so she went on mm-hmm. Amazon and she ordered it and I'll have it in here Saturday. I'm going to test it. All right. Good. Uh, and it's the same price on Amazon as if you order it through the, the website. So I'm not saving anything through Amazon. A lot of times they do wow. give you breaks. Not on this. Yeah. Um, right. So I uh, I ordered the, uh, the wands order. What I'm going to do is when it comes in, I am going to take a glass of wine. I'm going to test the sulfites in it because I can test the sulfites. And then I'm going to wand it, and then I'm going to test the sulfites again. So I will be okay. able to report next week how the wand worked and if it did work. Oh, good. And, and, and does it change the flavor? I mean, because yeah. I don't know. I mean, what other know. effect does it? Supposed to. Not supposed to. Mm. We'll, we'll see. Okay. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. So that is a little teaser for next week's report. We will be testing the wand. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, so got that. Now let's see. There's something. Oh, uh, food. You know, I was sitting here looking at my list of what is coming up. You know, for food and all that. And I started to look at December, and December is really sort of bare on national days, food type days. Um, it's probably because of the holiday month and all that. But it wasn't. Right. Wasn't as great now. Today, if you miss a National Moose Day, mm. so you know get we don't have moose in this part of the country. We no, have, no, uh, no, no, moose are mostly in the north, aren't they? Like elk and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. mostly. But you know, if you can't do moose, you can always do deer. So um, right, <laughs> or, or Quebecan. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then December. Starts tomorrow, National mm. Eggnog Month, which makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah. Also, December is National Fruitcake Month, 
makes sense, and is National Stress-Free Family Holiday Month. That doesn't make sense. That <laughs> stress free. That, oh, that doesn't do it. So that, <laughs> two out of three is not bad. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so okay. that's December. And then uh, the first World AIDS Day, if y'all like to make note of that. The second, they don't have anything here. The third. They really don't have anything here, uh, but they do have a note here. Now, this is a national magazine, but it says on Sunday, ECRM Candy Planning, Halloween, is being held in St. Pete Beach, Florida, and begins and continues through the 4th. So the 3rd and the 4th is ECRM Candy Planning Day, Halloween. Candy I have no idea. I, I don't know. I, wow. I have no idea. So. Uh, okay. So and that starts in January. Hmm. No, that's uh, oh. Sunday. This this coming Sunday. Sunday? This coming oh, Sunday. I thought you were talking about like January, like the like after no. the first of the year. No, wow. no, this is this is coming up Sunday. Yeah. Um. Hmm. And then Monday is National Cookie Day and National Cookie Cutter Week. So we got Cookie Week coming up. Wow. Tuesday, National Comfort Food Day. Now that's one where you can have just about any wine that you have in a closet, pick a food to pair with it, and eat it. Uh, and then uh, that's it. They're just, you know, they don't have much of anything. Coming up this coming Friday is National Brownie Day, which would be good for our plantation of spice. So a week from tomorrow, National Brownie Day. But that's it. That's it coming up so far. So so um, if you need to find something to drink wine with, you can always find something. It's 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 out there. So mm-hmm. uh Let's see what else I've got here. I, I just I've got some miscellaneous, some things I found throughout this past couple of weeks that I wanted to share with you. And so, uh, first one, a Utah town uh, uh, on November eighth, one of Utah's last dry communities uh, appeared to be on track to start uh, maintaining its eight-decade prohibition on alcohol sales. And uh, it was uh, in Blanding County. Blanding County voted 573 in favor of keeping the ban and 299 for overturning it. Those were the unofficial results that came out. Uh, The mayor said uh, officials did not have details about how many more ballots are still to be counted but the city is only 3,500 people and expect a small number of turnouts because uh, people are not going to change the outcome with uh, other votes. The city is in the southeastern corner and has a lot of tours coming in there, uh, especially for uh, Bears Ears National Monument, which is nearby. Uh, restaurant and hotel owners uh, are uh, most of them are Mormons and they avoid alcohol. 
And uh, but they're saying that blending needs to accommodate drinkers. That people aren't staying there and they're not, you know, eating there because of that. They're driving away from Ness County. They uh, said that uh, a glass of wine with your meal would not hurt anything, and it would, you know, or a beer. And customers have been complaining for years that they don't think a glass of wine would hurt anybody. During their meal, but others argue that prohibition is the key to the city's character and worried that allowing alcohol could lead to public drunkenness and other problems. You know how that can be public drunkenness and other problems. It's uh, (laughs) Utah is only about a half a dozen dry counties around the state now. Um, Blanding's vote to Reconsidered its ban uh, for beer and wine follows uh, debates all through the county and the different counties that are dry. Uh, Blanding's been dry since the 1930s, and talk of repelling the prohibition has surfaced periodically. But in 2017, it was the first time the issue actually came to a ballot, and it was defeated. So uh, the the Community is a stopover for road trips between Denver and southern Utah's national parks and Grand Canyons, and it's been a debate for years what they they should be serving alcohol there because it is such a well-visited town. Uh, several of the opponents hope that keeping the prohibition and blending could prevent the town from becoming overrun with tourists like the Red Rock vacation destination in Moab, which is just an hour north. They said they, the vote against it will, by such a large margin will probably keep it from being brought up again for any time soon. So, you know, I, I, I read that stuff like that. And, you know, sure, they're Mormons. And sure, they have the right to do what they want. But the money, the revenue, let's, let's talk about that. And city people, county people like the revenue. You know, tax it. Tax it. Get more revenue off the wine and beer sales. But there you go. That's uh, just uh, continues on with their with their prohibition in Blanding, Utah. Uh, let's see. Gallo drives wine and spirit sales for drug stores, drug chains. Uh, the, the wine and spirits categories continue to thrive in drugstore chains because of E and J Gallo Winery. Uh, the wine segment has been growing three to four uh, percent in uh, the stores and advancing as much as six to eight percent in different markets and different drugstores. Um, they have been increasing sales because of. Well, two things, a higher purchase and Gallo's family of wines has been expanded and is starting to become available in all stores. The Barefoot brand continues to attain steady growth, and that's a Gallo brand. And it is sold um, in all the drugstores. You can go into almost any drugstore, CVS, Walgreens, um, any of them in your area, and you're going to find Barefoot. They also, their brand that they carry in drugstores, Dark Horse, William Hill, uh, Louis Martini, Edna Valley, and Echo Domini brands, which, you know, you've seen all those. Those are all Gallo. Gallo is just basically running away with it, and the percentage 
categories, and they are continuing to increase it in sales uh, and stores. And they're not just stopping there. The spirits category, Gallo offers the number two vodka in the United States, uh, the, one of the fastest growing brands, New Amsterdam. Uh, the uh, also Gallo is presenting Camarina Tequila, New Amsterdam Gin, and Dalmore Scotch, which the drugstore chains that uh, can carry those in, depending on state laws, those are increasing and picking up a lot too. So Gallo is starting to dominate your your grocery stores for sales and that stuff. They they have for a long time, and they continue to just increase that sales. Um, let's see. They just, uh, speaking of Gallo, they just uh, bought another Sicilian wine label, uh, Lux, L-U-X, wines, uh, out of Sicily, is uh, now under the Gallo family of wine. Those something on Amazon. The Amazon effect on e-commerce will be changing food and beverage packaging. Now, this is an interesting little article here, which I, I sort of think about. It says, the Internet is changing the retail landscape, but the beverage and food seems to be lagging behind because they haven't been selling online. Now, this is about to change. Amazon, once they bought Whole Foods, immediately put over 2,000 items on their site of food and beverages. And now their uh, branded products from Whole Food are passing about a half million the first week. The um, thing that they're saying might happen, though, is the traditionally packaging has been designed for those three seconds that you're looking at the shelf and you're making a decision. Now, this is true. You walk up to the wine shelf, you scan the shelf, the label catches your eye or something catches your eye, you'll grab it, look at it a little bit more. But three seconds, that's, that's how long you got it. Now, for the first time, you look at a product, you already bought it. It comes to the door and you open it up and there's your bottle of wine and you've already bought it. So it's not a matter of trying to sell it. It's it, you have the product, so you're you're repeating the purchase. So they're saying that the labels on wines might be changing and well beer and wine might be changing because of that. You've already bought it, so they don't need to catch your eye. They can list more stuff, they can tell you more things about it, they can make more comments or they can reduce the label and make it less in, uh, less dominant in the uh, on the bottle and stuff. It's uh, going to change the aspect of the labeling systems. It's going to change how people uh, shop for wines. Once you try one, you know what it is, and the chances of you skipping off that and trying something you've never had before decrease because you're not there in the store to try to look at it and try to see what it looks like. And people do shop by labels. We've already discussed that a lot in the programs here in the past. And people shop by labels a lot. And so once you find a favorite, you stay with it. 
drone delivery, it's not going to happen. Too expensive, too much weight. You're not going to see groceries. You're not going to see beer and wine being delivered by drones. Basically, right now, as it uh, it looks like drones is going to be used for lighter products, prescription drugs, uh, light things, uh, uh, the part of the store where you have vitamins and um, cold remedies and stuff like that. Those might be delivered by drone, but you're not going to see drones taking over and delivering all the groceries because of the weight, and that's going to make a difference there. <coughs> Excuse me. So, uh, we may be seeing label changes simply because of the whole aspect of the uh, instant delivery. New wine, I want to tell you about, classic and passionate. Uh, it's the Novellino Rosso Classico Strawberry Passion. This is Novellino Wines from the Philippines. Is distributed in select markets now. NovellinoWines.com if you want to check it out. N-O-V-E-L-L-I-N-O. NovellinoWines.com. They're expanding its wine portfolio and introducing new varietals. Rosso Classico and Strawberry Passion. Uh, They said the Classico Rosso (coughs) Passion. Excuse me. They say the Rosso Classico soft and subtle, lightly fermented red wine with a sweet character and elegant finish. Uh, it's a casual wine vinified from Vitus vinifer grapes in its tradition of fine Italian winemaking. The Novellino Strawberry Passion is blended with natural strawberry extract to enhance the wine's fruity character and give it a refreshing finish. Seven 0.2% alcohol by volume and packaged in 750 milliliter bottles suggests a retail price of $7.99 again in select markets right now. It's not available nationwide. So if you happen to see that, that might be something you're looking at. Uh, doesn't say it's sparkling, though. I'm, I was looking. I was expecting to see sparkling, but I don't think so. Neither one of them are. So a new wine out there. And... Uh, in the market where that is, give it a try. I haven't seen it. I was in the store the other day. Oh, we're getting a phone call. I don't think it's a phone No. Wayne Small. Do we know Wayne Small? No, we don't. So, engineer took care of it. We're done. Um, all right. Why making legacy? This is some, oh wait, let's do another, tell you about this other one here before we move on to that. Uh, Vintage car design, Tank Garage Winery, never heard of Tank Garage Winery, unveiled Chrome Dreams, it's a 2015 Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon based red blend bottled in a chrome glass wine bottle. They say it's an ode to the classic American automobile. And it features a mirrored surface and extruded wing wheel emblem on the bottle. Uh, in a tribute to the iconic vintage cars of the American Hanna Metalwork. Okay. Uh, the Tank Garage Winery spent more than a year working with a packaging manufacturer to perfect this 
proprietary chroming process. Each of the clear embossed resin seal is delicately formed and imported from Italy. It says we wanted to go back to a time when cars weren't just cars, but artful vessels of freedom, carrying the American dream westward across Route 66. Classic cars were a direct reflection of our greatest hopes and dreams. We were inspired to bring that spirit of aspiration back with chrome dreams. This is stated by James Harder, who is the co-founder of Tank Garage Winery. He continues by saying, from the wine to packaging, the entire experience is designed to create a sense of marvel. We're excited for wine drinkers to taste, collect, and experience this incredible achievement in wine. So there's there's, uh, his comment on it. He says, fewer than 500 cases of chrome dreams have been produced. And the wine is exclusively available at the company's Service Station Winery. Service Station Winery. I'm going to have to look up Tank Garage Winery and find out what what that is. Or on its website, tankgaragewinery.com. Okay, so Mike, you got that. Tank, T-A-N-K, garagewinery.com. They're selling those bottles for $75. But it's Napa, Napa-based Cabernet Sauvignon, red wine. But they're probably justifying it a little bit more on that. But still, though, that's $75 for And, of course, he's hoping that people will collect them. You know, 75 bucks in his pocket every time. And they only made 500 <laughs> cases. So, you know, that's uh, not a whole lot of bottles overall. But if you get... Seventy-five dollars for each one, and you know it'll make it worthwhile for them. Tank garage one. Never heard of tank garage one. Yeah, yeah I'm on their website it. now. Are you? Interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting bottle. I mean, it uh, looks. I don't know, like a steel bottle, I guess. I don't. Uh, is it? Yeah. It's not steel though. It's it's not chrome. Steel. Okay. Chrome. Well, chrome is a okay. plating, isn't it? I mean, you yeah. you. It's a plating. It's not a material. It's a plating. We created, it says, through painstaking efforts, we created the first chromed glass wine bottle in history. Chromed glass. So they went, wow. Uh, with a luxurious mirrored fi- uh, surface and a clear embossed winged wheel emblem. Uh, Which is a pretty cool emblem. I have a picture over here, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Okay. I don't know about the $75 price, though. $75. But that's Napa. I mean, you know, it's from Napa. Are They They are in Napa, aren't they? Um, let me check. Yeah, I think so. Uh, that's the gas station Napa Valley town of Calistoga, Calistoga California. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, they are in Napa. And that's, you know, yeah. because we're in Napa, you know, I mean, when you're paying $5,000 a ton for. Cabernet Sauvignon grapes there. You're, you have to. Wow. You have to, you know, have it cost more to break even. So that makes sense. So, yeah. Well, so there you go. If you, uh, you know, you, you want to hope that that wine is very good. I mean, you're not going to spend $75 just for the bottle. So you got to hope that that wine is good. So. 
Now, Which I see no why on uh, Shop Wine Direct, which I just found, um, you say five dollars and two cents at sixty nine ninety seven. Oh really? <laughs> so, Free shipping? Just, uh, mm, shipping is calculated at checkout, so it's probably like twenty bucks. <laughs> Who knows? So it's not five bucks for shipping. So there you. <laughs> yeah, that'll make up for it. <laughs> yeah, who knows? There you go. Yeah. You know, so it's not as expensive as you thought. Not seventy five, it's only sixty nine. <laughs> All, All right. right. Where's my credit card? Where's That's somebody right. else's credit card? Let me <laughs> <laughs> let's get a case. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, no thanks. I don't know. Well All right. it may be Amazon might even have it cheaper. Who knows? Um New app advises Wayne, oh, grape growers. Up-to-date information on what products can be used to solve a problem is available right there in the vineyard on your smartphone. Uh, it's called the Vineyard Advisor. Uh, screen caps from the Vineyard Advisor I'm seeing here shows the searchable features available to growers at their fingertip. Um, it's been released for a free download if you're interested in it. It is https uh, semicolon slash slash is dot gd slash iphone vineyard advisor okay now that's for the iphone and android mobile phones are http as semicolon backslash is dot gd slash android Vine our vineyard advisor. So iPhone vineyard advisor or Android vineyard advisor. Uh, it was funded by American Vineyard Foundation in 2014. It's $28,900 research and app project. And it covers a whole plethora of stuff. Uh, uh, products and things and all that. Um, there's uh, 196 products, more or less, listed, and 20 different active ingredients you can look at and what they're like. You can also punch in stuff and check out if there's something in the vineyard that you have a problem with, uh, grape problems, what could be found, certain grapes, certain areas, uh, gives you a uh, solution for them. A, so if you're interested in seeing more about grape growing and the app that goes with it, uh, it is uh, a nice little informational app there. Uh, it's been uh, made basically for grape growers, but uh, it's fun to look at. I was uh, playing with it a while back. And I just I saw this about two weeks ago, and I was playing with it. And actually, it wasn't two weeks. It was right after the last program, so... That's why I just now bring it up. Uh, but again, if you're interested in checking out yourself, it is uh, iPhone Vineyard Advisor for the uh, HTTPS semicolon slash slash is dot gd slash and then either iPhone Vineyard Advisor or Android Vineyard Advisor. And a bunch of stuff in there. Be sure there's room in your phone to load it, too, because it's a pretty big app. I'll tell you that right now. I'll warn you now. 
Okay. Wine category in stores. And this is from Progressive Grocer, and it's just a little thing. Um, alcoholic beverages overall, uh, table wines are blasting through the roof. Uh, and the weeks ending 8, 12, 17, uh, 52 weeks ending 8, 12, 17, Table wine category sold over uh, $13 billion in stores around the country. $13 billion. Now, that's just table wine. Sparkling wine, we're looking at over $1.5 billion. Uh, table wine, $13.789 billion. Sparkling wine, over $1.5 million. Flavored beverage wines... 239 million, sangria 195 million, and dessert wines 116, almost 117 million. Oh my gosh, you know, we're drinking, we're drinking a lot. Wine category grows at a reduced rate of what it's been the last couple of years, but it's still going. Online sales have probably contributed to the slowdown in the stores, they don't count online sales. And consumers are buying online, and it's causing the numbers to be screwed a little bit. Uh, the reduced possibility of a wine impulse purchase that uh, might happen in a store has been stopped because people are doing online sales. Which, you know, it's, it, I don't know, I think it's a bad thing. You know, I mean, you, you go out to the store and you look at different wines and you pick up something and try a new one that you've never tried before. When you're doing it online, you go back to your default wine, the one that you drink all the time. Don't. Try something new. I mean, that's you do it in the store, do it when you're shopping online. Uh, consumers continue to trade up as dollar growth sales are rising faster than the volume growth. And sparkling wines are starting to come up real strong, too. They're moving up there real fast, uh, People are starting to look at more Proseccos and Cabas and, and sparkling wines. Uh, some new trends that are driving impact in the short term is the explosion of the rosé wine segment and the introduction of the can wine segment. Uh, these are causing numbers to jump up even more. The rosé been around forever, but people are starting to look at it and starting to buy it and Going back to that again, because it's not just your white zen sweetness. You're getting fruitiness. You're getting good flavors and stuff that aren't just overpowering sweetness. So that's that's a big plus there, too. Um, oh, okay, here we go. This is uh, which generational group is spending the most per trip on wine. Boomers spend the most. Yay. Uh, per trip on wine. They're spending an average of $20.22 uh, on wine when they go out and pick up a bottle. The greatness, greatest generation, which is the one older than the boomers, spend an average of 1846 Generation X, 1823, 
And the millennials spend an average of fifteen fifteen per trip on or per uh, trip buying wine. So that's uh, quite a difference there, uh, over five dollars difference on it. I think millennials though are looking more at the in the cans and the alternative type bottles or uh, containers that you won't find them on the boomers. And I don't know for sure. That's just a guess. Uh, Just because I've got this list here and I thought you might go, hmm. Average American household spends $37.25 in military stores when they go into military stores. $35.60 on average when they go into liquor stores. $31.37 when they go on online electric retailer sites. And then when they shop warehouse clubs, average they spend is twenty nine forty four. Yeah. Interesting. Don't need to comment on it because I don't know what I would comment on. It. Uh, the uh, oh, I'll read this. I'll read the article myself and transpose it to you because I don't want to spend a whole lot of time going through an article that has crap in it that you're not interested in. Golden Glow added to sparkling wine bottles. Uh, Garucci, G-U-A-R-A-C-H-I, I think it's Garucci. Uh, wine Partners recently began importing Cuvée d'Or, which is a collection of Italian sparkling wines. It's available in Georgia, Tennessee, and Colorado. Very limited distribution, Jason. Garucci Wine Partners plans to expand Dior into 25 new markets this fall, and nationwide in 2018. Well, this is fall, and I haven't seen it. Dior means golden in Italian, which I probably am pronouncing wrong. D-E-O-R, Dior. Dior is reminiscent of the opulent Venetian lifestyle during the Republic times, they're saying. Each bottle is painted in traditional Venetian technique by Venetian artists with gold paint and glitter. The gold model represents wealth and is said to bring good fortune to all who indulge. So a new sparkling wine and a gold bottle with glitter, which might be a lot cheaper than $75 for the the other chrome bottle. But uh, Yeah, glitter is much cheaper. Yeah, much, much cheaper than chrome, yeah. So, um, and it's sparkling wine. People like sparkling wine. So I just read it's increasing sales, sparkling wine. So there you go. Uh, something to look at. This is not all about wine, but it is a graphic I saw, which I wanted to pass on to you. Um, this is demographics of the beer consumer. More than 235 million adults aged 21 and older in the United States in 2016. This is based on Scarborough research. Uh, so this is uh, in Beveraging Marketing Corporation's U.S. Beer Guide 2017. 
a uh, gain a deeper understanding of who is the modern beer consumer. Males on beer, 59.9%, and females, 37.4%. And I know that doesn't add up to 100%, so I have no idea where the other percentage is or how they count that, but uh, that's what they have on this. The region, the northeast region, which is you know Pennsylvania, Maryland, north, and uh, that part of the country, 18.1%. Uh, consumption of beer in the Midwest, running from the Dakotas uh, and uh, Kansas east over to Ohio and down to Kansas, Missouri, that uh, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, 21.7 percent. The West, all the way over to California, up to the Canadian border but it does not include Arizona and New Mexico, 22.6%. And the South is our beer drinkers in this country, 34.9% uh, of the beers consumed in the South, uh, way, way, way more than any of the other regions in the country. I don't know, maybe because it's hot and people drink beer, maybe because, but that goes all the way from, you know, the Virginias and uh, all the way down to Florida, Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and all those states in between. So there you go. Household income. Percentages drinking beer. Uh, 10,000 or less, 3.7%. 10 to 20,000, 4.2%. 20 to 30, 8.9%. 30 to 40, 11.8, 40 to 50, 10.5, 50 to 60, 17.5. And those household incomes that are making more than 75,000 are drinking 40.6% of the beer consumption. That shocked me when I saw that number. I, I just, you know, I don't know why, but I just, you know, high income people, I just, don't look at them as beer consumers, but but then I started to think, well, with all the craft beer out there now and all the specialty beers and everything, yeah, it probably does make sense. Who drinks beer? And the age, 21 to 24-year-olds, 7.7% of all beer consumed by them. 25 to 34-year-olds, 20.9%, that's the highest group. 35 to 44, 18.5%. 45 to 54, 19.1%. 55 to 64, 16.4%. And then 65 over, 14.6%. So that's a little demographic of beer consumers in the United States. I just thought it was interesting. We are all about wine, but I wanted to share that with you. I'm going to end up here with something, an article. Three, four weeks ago, uh, Mike and I were talking about this. I can't remember exactly how long ago, but three, four weeks ago, I reported on this station that I just saw an article where drinking wine or alcohol can cause cancer, can increase the risk of cancer, can cause, if you're drinking a one glass a day, 
and that's almost too much, two glasses a day, and you're probably passing the limit and increasing risk of cancer. And they're saying breast cancer and uh, prostate cancer and uh, I don't know, I can't remember all the different ones that they were talking about in the article. And I'm going, oh my gosh! And I read this article on there, and, and you know, and at the time Mike would make comments like, you know, everything causes cancer, and I said, yes, it does, but this is not a good thing, you know. And, and everybody, you know, you know, they come up with this article, and they're saying, you know, you need to watch your beer consumption and your wine consumption and your spirits and all that because you're going to get cancer from it. And they were saying. I don't know. I think it was a four ounce glass of wine, or yeah, a four ounce glass of wine on the thing. I found this article. This was in a local paper here, uh, St. Pete. No, it's not St. Pete anymore. It's the Tampa Bay Times. You might, although this was not written for the Tampa Bay Times, so this might be online somewhere else. This article is by Aaron E. Carroll. Uh, A-A-R-E-N, who is a professor of pediatrics at Indiana University School of Medicine. He has a blog on health research and policy at the incident, as the Incidental Economist. So, you know, I just obviously have some letters after his name to make him important. But, article said a link between alcohol and cancer? It's not so simple. Uh, it starts out and says, the headline had some of my friends in a panic, which, you know, when I talked on the radio, too, it was like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? The evidence, the American Cancer, I'm sorry, the American Society of Clinical Oncology warned that even light drinking could increase the risk of cancer. And we've been told that something we eat or drink continuously is going to end up killing us. Once again, we're provided with an opportunity, a more nuanced discussion of the risk and how we can actually look at this properly. Uh, he states, let's begin with the fact that it's easy to use studies to talk about cancer. Nothing illustrates this better than the classic 2013 study that examined research on 40 common ingredients selected from a cookbook. Researchers found that 264 different studies touching on at least one of these ingredients. Their conclusion, depending on where you look, you can find evidence that says that nearly everything we eat is both associated with higher rates of cancer and lower rates of cancer. You know, it just... And... Mike and I were talking a little bit before the program, and he said that. He says, well, everything calls cancer. And I said, yeah, it, it basically is at that point, I'm afraid. Uh, the findings that were in this um, cancers, and they specifically mentioned certain cancers, uh, larynx cancer, esophageal cancer, uh, hepocellular uh, carcinoma, breast cancer, and colon cancer and alcohol causing these problems. Uh, the greatest risk of those who drink heavily, obviously we've known that, 
uh, in the United States, the announcement also notes 3.5% of cancer deaths are attributed to alcohol. But he says, of course, that means that 96.5% of cancer deaths are not attributed to alcohol. If we eliminate heavy drinking, which is which no one endorses as a health, uh, healthy thing to do, uh, that number climbs. Um, if we also eliminate those who smoke, the number of cancer deaths not attributed to alcohol approaches nearly 100%. So... We can stipulate that uh, there may be a correlation between light or moderate drinking and some cancers, but we still don't know if the relationship is casual and if if there's any association even. Uh, Breast cancer, which is the cancer that seems to be garnering the most headlines, says that light drinking was associated with relative risk of 1.04%. Relative risk refers to the percentage change in one person's absolute overall risk as a result of some change in behavior. So 1.04 is a 4 percentage change from 1.0, which represents a baseline of no difference from the control group. A 40-year-old woman has absolute risk of 1.45% of developing breast cancer in the next 10 years. That's just risk assessment. This announcement would argue that if she's a light drinker, that risk would become 1.51%. This is an absolute risk increase of 0.06%. So... This can be interpreted uh, that if 1,667 40-year-old women became light drinkers, one additional person might develop breast cancer. The other 1,666 would see no difference. And this is the thing with these studies. Uh, it, it goes on here. He says, of course, moderate drinking, heavy drinking increase it. Uh, but it doesn't increase a lot. He said, like, uh, for a 40-year-old woman, if she were uh, a moderate or heavy drink, 40-year-old woman would go to 1.78% from 1.45% if she were a moderate drinker and to 2.33% for the heavy drinker. Those numbers still aren't really scary. It just, you know, increases just a fraction um, but if that's too much for you, that's, you know, something you will have to look at yourself. Um, but, you, you know, you, you can't look at cancer as, as something that's only going to occur in these different situations. Again, referring back to his original study, there's just about everything can and everything can't cause cancer. Um, the large... Uh, uh, large meta-analysis upon which this announcement was based looked at 23 types of cancer with respect to alcohol consumption. It found a harmful relationship between three of them and light drinking. But it also found protective relationships, meaning a decreased risk of cancer, between six of them 
and light drinking. The article obviously didn't mention that. Uh, pointing out that you can cherry pick any of these and find something wrong with it. Um, the announcement focused on the former, not the latter. The 2013 meta-analysis of the Annals of Oncology that looked at all cancers found that overall, light drinking was protective, moderate drinking had no effect, and heavy drinking was detrimental. So, you know, a person can get a, any number of diseases, and the fact that they're a light or moderate drinker doesn't really cause a whole big difference. And if you accept the methodology for case control and cohort studies, the links between alcohol and cancer arise, you have to accept the results of similar studies of other diseases. For instance, a study of about 6,000 people found that those who drank at least once a week had better cognitive function in middle age than those who didn't. A 2004 systematic review found that moderate drinkers had lower rates of diabetes, up to 56% lower. So, you know, random controls and random things on that. He goes on and he gives you his sites more things. He said, but what can we do about this? We can make simple changes to have a better understanding of risk so that each new proclamation doesn't send us into a tizzy. One, consider the absolute risk. A 30% increase in risk sounds scary, but an increase from 1% to 1.3% absolute risk does not though those are the same things. Likewise, we should be more concerned about a 5% risk increase to 21%, from 20% to then about a 30% increase to 1.3% from 1%. So it's just a matter of how you look at the numbers. They can, the increase rate, you go on 5% increase if you're going from 21% from 20, you go from 20 to 21, that's the 5% increase. Uh, but then a 20 to 30% is only a 1% increase, not a 1.3. So, you know, it's a matter of how you look at it. Two, don't give too much weight to observational data. This is especially true when casual data is available. Three, don't focus on any one disease while ignoring others. Something may be, uh, excuse me. Something may be harmful regarding one disease while beneficial regarding another. Four, don't cherry pick. That is, don't focus only on some studies or only on some results. Review all the evidence for the most holistic picture possible. Five. Acknowledge the harms as well as the benefits of recommendations. Consider both cost and joy. These rules may not make for exciting headlines, but they do lead to a happier, healthier life. So I thought that was very interesting. The percentage, and when you start reading those studies and all that, you're saying it's going to increase it by 5%. You need to look at the how they're coming to those numbers. So, so there you go. I'm done for the night. Thank you all for tuning in, Mike. Uh, yeah. 
have any closing comments for us? Uh, no, not really. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I, I don't have anything to go with. Um, there is a big event at the winery in, uh, one week from this coming Saturday, and I don't know if you want to give a shout out for that now or we we'll just do it next yeah. Thursday. But no, it, no. it is a save huge, huge event. That's right. Save the date. Make sure you make plans to come down here, December the ninth. Okay, that's uh, one week from this Saturday. Is the uh, Florida State's Winery uh, birthday celebration uh, extravaganza? Uh, Sixteen. It's a big six. What? Sixteen God. years. Really? Because last year it was yeah. only 10, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at math. See anyway. how that works? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you count one year. I, I thought it was more like six. But um, that's that's uh, 16 years. Wow. So, um, yeah, that's uh, come on down and make plans, you know, if you're in the area. And if you're not, make plans anyway um, and um, enjoy it. It's, it's a big celebration and, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a – it's a major thing. So um, you want to come out and, and enjoy the uh, festivities and the party and everything. It's going to be a great time. So come on out to Florida State's Winery. That is uh, Saturday, December the 9th. And we'll have absolute details on this on the next show, which will be the first and, one in December. And Coming from today. Mike mm-hmm. might be there. So he'll be able to meet the whole crew and the whole cast of All About Wine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll have the everybody there. The engineer. Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, so come on out, and uh, we'll give you all, all the details and everything next week, and uh, that'll be December 7th will be our next show, which is uh, one week from today, Thursday, That's 7 it. p.m. Eastern Time. <laughs> Eastern Time, yes. Eastern Time. Yeah. I don't know. So um, I guess that's going to do it. So we'll see everybody next Thursday. Thanks for tuning in, and you all have a great week, and uh, enjoy drinking the wine. In- that's right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. All right. Have a good one. Thank you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron, originating from Florida State's Winery in Lando Lakes, Florida. Florida State's Winery is located at 25241 State Road 52 in Lando Lakes, Florida, four miles west of Interstate 75 or east of U.S. 19 and U.S. 41. For more information on Florida State's Winery, visit the website at floridastateswines.com or call 813-996-2113. That's 813-996-2113. The winery is open daily, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on the show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.